Hey, I've been looking forward to bringing this word. Um, you will notice in your notes that the date is wrong. It's dated for last week. Those notes were already prepared uh, prior to me leaving out of town. And so uh, the notes are off there as well as the, uh, the financial uh, piece down at the bottom. So just disregard that. Disregard the date and the, and the financial piece at the bottom because uh, it's off by a week, all right? Um, but uh, I want to share with you uh, the last part of our series the last part of our series on the family recipe, um, and if I can get my guys in the back to help me with a timer, that would be great. Um, this first service, if you weren't aware, this first service always uh, goes to the radio station, um, and so they play it the following week at 9 a.m., and so um, that would help me tremendously if I had that right now. Okay, um, so we're talking today about say yes to great relationships, say yes to great relationships. One of the things that I remember uh, that I learned uh, coming up as a dad, um, anybody that's ever seen or heard Chuck Swindoll uh, appreciates the ministry that that great man has uh, given to the body of Christ. But one of the things that Chuck Swindoll said was he said, in my home to my kids, I say yes as often as I can so that when I say no, it means something. I say yes as often as I can so that when I say no, it means something. Um, a lot of times in the church, we are all about what we say no to. No to this, no to that, no to the other thing. Uh, what are the things that we say yes to? You know, um, no is a closed door. Yes is an open door. I want to talk to you for a, a few minutes today about how to say yes to relationships in your life. Now, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul and his relationship to the church at Thessalonica, and we're going to follow that as an example. But he's also uh, uh, borrowing some principles from the ministry of Jesus, and all of these are in your notes. But I would like for you to read with me uh, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's a lengthy passage. And I don't want you to go to sleep while I'm reading it. So let's read it together and you can stay awake. All right. Um, if you need to drop your mask down, it's okay. All right. First Thessalonians 2, uh, uh, 1 through 12. You know, brothers, out loud, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. But the, with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. 
Now, there are so many different aspects of this passage, but I want us to get a hold of a few things that Paul is underlining, underlining here in this passage. Now, you'll notice right off the bat that the Apostle Paul is actually in the defendant's box. He is, he is coming to defense of his own ministry. He's talking about, let me, let me talk to you about what you've heard, and let me talk to you about what we did. Here's what you heard. Here's what we did. Here's what we have constantly done as we were in your midst. The Apostle Paul is saying, our lives have been a demonstration of the gospel. I want to underline this for you and I. This, if, if all we have is a message of words, we don't have much message at all. The gospel is not about words, but of power, power that transforms lives, power that transforms relationships. Let me tell you, and we should have learned this through, throughout this season, the church is not the building. The church is the relationships, first and foremost with God, second, uh, and, uh, second and, and with priority to one another. Let me tell you why it's so important. Let me ask you, a, uh, this is a bit of a rhetorical question, maybe a little tricky question, but hang with me. What could be better than heaven and worse than hell? What could be better than heaven and worse than hell? The only thing worse than hell is getting to heaven and you being the only one you know. Your family wasn't there. You, you, your neighbors weren't there. The people you worked with weren't there because you never ever told them the gospel of God. What's better than heaven? Your whole family's there. When you get there, you look around and you see the people that you thought you were going to have to say goodbye to or people that went on ahead of you. And you get there and they're there. There's, the, that's, there's nothing better than heaven except that all the people that, you have, that you've known and that you've rubbed shoulders with and that you communicated the life of God to, that they ended up in heaven. Heaven is a long, eternity is a long time to spend in one place called heaven. Right Now I'm thankful that the Bible says that he wipes every tear from our eyes and then in heaven there are in fact no regrets. But you know what? This side of heaven, the only thing we can do is love people and say yes to great relationships. Love people and say yes to great relationships. Uh, I want to uh, just underscore a few scriptures here. Third John 1, the, to, uh, the elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that, may, that uh, all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. If you're mature in the Lord, hear me. The most important thing is not whether or not people have a nice house and a car. The most, because every nice house and every nice car is gonna end up in rubble someday. It's gonna end up rusted out someday. The, the only thing that matters is their connection to the Father. Their connection to, you know, that they would be walking in the truth. There is no greater joy. 
You as parents, there's no greater joy than to see that your children are walking in the truth, right? And, and so this is that expression here. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Say that out loud with me. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Saying yes to great relationships means that you and I have to start with the qualified yes, and, and that yes is going to say no to a lot of different things. In your notes, say yes to Jesus, and you'll say a million no's to sin and other dead ends in life. Say yes to Jesus, and you'll say a million no's. Just think, you know, uh, when, when I married Holly on May 27th, 1989, Probably like 3.2 billion women lost out. <laughs> One yes to that woman said no to all the rest of the other. I don't know if they were other they were candidates or not, but 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 uh, they received a no when uh, when I said yes to Holly. When you say yes to the right things, then then the wrong things just fade into the background. You no longer pay attention to them. You no longer they no longer have a, a priority in your life. So if you'll say yes to to the right relationship, saying yes to Jesus means that you have to say yes to how relationships work, but you and I take ourself into a relationship, don't we? If, if I'm carnal, then I take my carnal self into a relationship. If I'm full of pride, I take my prideful self and I connect it to other people. If I take my greedy self, wherever I take myself, my greedy self goes with me. But when I say yes to God, when I say yes to the gospel, I'm, I'm saying no to things. First of all, foolish pride won't deceive you. This is what Paul's saying in Thessalonians. He said, you know what? We weren't being proud when we brought the gospel to you. We had been insulted. We had been persecuted for what we said over here in this other city. And now we're in Thessalonica, and you need to know that we didn't come because we were boastful. We came because God loves you and we do too. Uh, opposition can't hinder you. When you say yes to God, opposition just fades into the back. It's just part of it. And you don't let it stop you. You just keep going, keep going, keep going. How many of you have learned the secret of the Christian life is just keep showing up? Just keep showing up. You gotta learn to be like a postage stamp. It sticks with the thing till it gets there. How many of you are gonna stick to God till he gets you there, right? We're gonna just keep on going. We, we're not those that shrink back. We're not those that back away. We're not those that uh, fade into the background. We're gonna continue to be bold for God and opposition will just have to find uh, its way around us because we're just gonna keep going through it. Um, greed is powerless against you. If you're a person. This is what the Apostle Paul said. I love that he said, we didn't wear a mask to cover greed. Yeah. I was like, masks, all right. And what was he saying? He was saying, we're, we're, not, we're not preaching to you so that we could get an offering. We're, we're not up here to dazzle you and entertain you so that you will give us money. He said, God is our witness. We worked hard among you and we didn't ask for a dime. 
You see, things get muddy when money sometimes starts changing hands, doesn't it? Do you really want to watch a news station that takes money from advertisers? Think about that. You're going to gather your news from people who are paying advertisement on that station because the more, uh, the more outrageous the titles, the more eyeballs they get, the more money they get, the more money they can charge for their ads. Think about it. You say, well, it's free. It's news. No, if you can't figure out uh, who's paying, you're the one paying. If there's no price tag somewhere, it's because it's on you. It's your attention, it's your eyeballs, it's your ears. Uh, those kind of things uh, pull us in. Well, I've got to read that newspaper. That click, that click, that click just paid an advertiser. And you and I need to realize that greed uh, it will be powerless against us when we say yes to God and say, God, I just want to do what you want me to do with my life. And what Jesus is going to say is, your relationships matter. Your relationships matter. Your relationships matter. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. You think relationships don't matter to God? The marriage supper of the Lamb. Think of every metaphor that God says that the kingdom of heaven is about and relationships are at the core of it. It mattered to Jesus so much that while he's on the cross, he looks to one of his disciples and said, Son, this is your mother. Mother, this is your son. He wasn't just taking care of relationships between heaven and earth. He was looking after the localized relationships, making sure that his mother was cared for. He didn't say, sorry, mama, got to go on to the king and do my thing. He was looking after his mama while he was on the cross. Think about how valuable relationships are to the Lord. Lastly, in, uh, in verses 1 through 7, fear of man won't intimidate you. Fear of man won't intimidate you. This is what Paul says. We were not looking for praise from men, nor, uh, nor, not from you or anyone else. Let me tell you, if you don't allow praise from men uh, to build you up, then praise from men won't take you out. If, 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 you get, uh, if you get celebrated for doing something right, don't breathe in. Because if you breathe in and that gets on the inside of you, the minute they start to criticize you, the minute they start to critique you, the minute they begin to withhold from you that affection, that adoration, let me tell you, uh, on the inside you'll just start to shrug. Oh, I wish people would say something nice about me again. You know what? Fear of man, the Bible says, will prove to be a snare. And this is where Paul's power was. He said, I, I do what I do as unto the Lord. I, I do what I do because this is the calling. It's the calling. One preacher said it this way, the sheep are the work and not the wage. When we stand before Jesus, that's where our reward is. He says, my reward is with me and it's in my hand. Amen? You know, it, it doesn't fluctuate with, with the economy. Uh, it might be, uh, you know, your, your bottom line, your bottom dollar in your bank account may not be where you want it to be, but let me tell you, everything you've ever done for the kingdom, it, there's a reward in heaven, and it just keeps going up. 
It just keeps going up. Your investments in the kingdom of God. Just imagine that one little thing that you did for somebody and they pay it forward and they live right and they do something for God and you have forgotten about it. You just went on uh, to the next day and the next thing and the next thing, but that thing is keeping going. Uh, One man said it this way, um, God can't give Abraham his reward yet because it's still going on. It's still multiplying. We are Abraham's seed and God can't reward Abraham until we wrap this whole thing up. Imagine how wealthy Abraham is in the kingdom of God because he was faithful, right? So you and I can't allow the fear of man to intimidate us. Number two, say yes to sharing your own soul and abandon hypocrisy. Notice what Paul says here in verse eight. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you'd become so dear to us. Notice this is, this is the role of the shepherd in his sheep. This is the apostle Paul, but he's saying, we didn't come because we were uh, Bible peddlers. We weren't just merchandising the gospel and saying, okay, y'all got the gospel, that's good. You're another notch in our, in our, in our gospel gun. We're gonna go on to the next city. He didn't say, that he said we shared our own lives also we shared our own lives also brothers and sisters you and I can't just come to church and sit in chairs and look forward we've got to share our own lives also don't we we've got to open up our lives to one another when you begin to use your gift to minister to somebody else when you begin to bless somebody else when you begin to uh, to share with them and strengthen them and share your own life let me tell you that's when you'll really discover the grace of God I've heard people for years uh, you know, I, you know. Through it doesn't happen so much anymore because we have systems in place to prevent this from happening. But uh, I've, you know, in years past, we have people say, "Well, I've been out for five weeks and nobody called me." You know, I've been out for six weeks, nobody called me. We didn't really have systems to to connect people very well. And uh, and one of the things that occurred to me early on is that uh, if people came in and they they in, enjoyed a service. And then they left, and some people are last in, first out kind of people. Um, they, they don't get to know the people. They don't get to know the stories. They don't experience the grace of God the way God wants us to experience his grace. You, you experience an event. There was worship. There was preaching. It built you up. But you didn't really experience the grace that he wants you to experience because you didn't get to know the people around you. You didn't share your life. They didn't share their life. And as a result, um, your soul wasn't fed the way the Lord wants it, wants it fed. This is what the Apostle Paul is, is demonstrating. Your lifestyle becomes a model to follow, and your words and your works begin to agree. Let me tell you, it's, it's dangerous, though, sharing your soul. Anybody found that? How many of you have been burnt before? I've been burnt. How many, of you, how many of you tried to trust and you trusted and it came back in your face? That's right. I, I, I'd, I'd have both hands and both feet up. Um, you know, you know it's, it's, it's part of it. It's part of it. But here's what you and I have to learn to do. We, we have to learn to have a thick skin but a soft heart. Uh, usually when things happen to us, it's really not about us in the first place. It's about somebody else's bad day. It's about somebody else's pressure. It's about something going on in their life that we have not a clue of. And, and they looked at us funny and we thought it was us. But it really wasn't us. It was them. 
You know, but we've got to be open and share our own lives also. If we don't share our lives, let me tell you, our, our message, we become hypocrites. He said, love one another. Well, if that's only words, that's hypocritical. He said, love your friends. No, love your enemies. Come on now. Right? And so our words and our works have to agree. And that's where the rubber meets the road is when we get to the place where we say, ah, oh, I've got to be that person that, that lives this out. I've got to share my own life also. And this is what the Apostle Paul was setting in motion. Number three, say, say yes to the hard work of relationships. This is, uh, here's the, the, the thing you and I need to get a hold of. Forgiveness is the truth of the, of the pathway. It's the truth of the path. The only way you can make relationships work in life. Sooner or later, somebody, you're gonna, you're gonna uh, offend somebody. Somebody's gonna offend you. Uh, sooner or later, it's gonna happen. And, and you and I just need to learn to uh, walk out Matthew 18, 18. Everybody know Matthew 18, 18? You need to write it down. You need to put it on your, uh, on your refrigerator, on your mirror. Matthew 18, 18. If your brother sins against you, go show him his fault just between the two of you. Don't go find a posse who agrees with you. Don't go, don't go tell the preacher, oh, Pastor Ken, so-and-so did this to me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, Matthew 18, 18. Go do the word and tell me how it went. Go do the word and tell me how it went. Forgiveness is the pathway. You can't have a marriage without forgiveness. You, you can't have a, uh, you, you know, sometimes you can't walk into Walmart without forgiveness, right? We, we've got we've to walk that out, right? Uh, everyone is bearing with someone and God is bearing with us all. And we are all waiting for someone to grow up in their knowledge and their experience with God right? Do the one another's of the word. Pray for one another. Bear with one another. Uh, uh, carry one another's burdens. You know, when you and I are having a low time, and let me, let me encourage you with this. This just happened to me this past week. It was, it was a tough week. It was a tough week. I found that, uh, that every funeral that I'm a part of anymore, it never used to be this way. It used to be that I would get called to do funerals for people that I didn't know. But now, most often, I do funerals for family. And I, I find myself in this moment where I'm like, okay, how do I, how do I learn to do this? How do I do this, this, uh, uh, this preaching the gospel thing when I just want to sit out there where they're at and just grieve? How do I process that? How do I work through that, right? And, uh, and so what, I, what, what the Holy Spirit whispered to me about so that I didn't fall into this pity party puddle that I wanted to, go find somebody, go find somebody who doesn't have what you have and minister to them. And so it started uh, with, a, uh, you know, it started at a local restaurant with a, uh, a little uh, waitress who was pregnant and expecting any day. It started there. And then it started with a pastor friend who's really struggling in his church right now. And it went to the Mexican pastors that I coach on uh, Thursday. We had an amazing time in the presence of Jesus. What happened? Let me tell you, and those Mexican pastors are going through very 
difficult times. They haven't met in five months. Many of them don't have cars. The public transportation is down. COVID is really bad in that particular part of the country. I had one of the pastors on the call. There were uh, five pastors. One of the pastors on the call said, Pastor Ken, I made two phone calls uh, this month, and both times I had two members in my church said, I'm so glad you called. I was about to commit suicide. He said, I get calls in the middle of the night, and they say, Pastor, can you take me to the hospital? And I know that they probably have COVID. And he said, but there's nobody else that can drive them to the hospital. And I get them to the hospital, and they go into the hospital, and he said, nobody can go in with them. So he said, I have to stand outside on the street. And he said, there are lines down the sidewalk at the hospital. And he said, I just walk, and I start praying for people. And you know, praise God, Jesus has healed a few people in those prayer lines. As I walk in, I pray in the middle of the night. And God just blessed me because I kept hearing the words, freely you've received, freely give. Freely, this is the gospel. This is how it works. You take what you have and you give it away and he'll give you more. You take what you have and you give it away and he'll give you more. And there's no time. There's no time to sit around and have a pity party. We got to get this thing going. Why? Because there's only one thing better than heaven. Seeing people there that you had an opportunity to bring along with you. And you can't get it just by sharing the gospel. You got to share your life also. You got to share your own life also. Lastly, in your notes, say yes to the joy of the kingdom relationships. Here's what Paul says in verse 10. And I love this. He says, you are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. There is no greater joy than to know that our children are walking in the truth. The point of all of this is that the gospel points to God, and our relationships with with people will cause them to grow in their relationship with God or cause them to run away from a relationship with God. And you and I are in control of that. You and I are, are, are uh, making ourselves available so that God can use us to help them uh, connect with the Lord. I love this passage in uh, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, this isn't the message translation, verse two. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God, right alongside God. You and I need to remember when we're going through tough times, right, that this thing is really not just about us and God, but it's about all of us and God. It's about saying, I don't want to lose any that have come to me. I don't want to, we don't want anybody to miss the grace of God. We want the grace of God to be made available to all men. Amen? The grace of God that, that brings salvation has appeared to all of us, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly pre, uh, uh, pleasures. 
and to, and to say yes to God, saying yes to God, saying yes to relationships. That's how that we walk this out. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to have some prayer. And I-